Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. This is Recovery Sort Of, the podcast. I'm Jason, a guy who has not tried medication-assisted recovery anonymous yet. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Caroline. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And today we have Merck with us. Hi, Merck. Hi. My name's Merck, and I'm also a person, and I'm also in recovery. <laughs> and, and we thank you so much, Merck, for coming on. Uh, I think our experience is every time we have somebody come on, our audience really gets introduced to an entirely new concept or a new understanding of themselves because we we relate in on so many different areas, right? Maybe we got here from struggling with a heroin or an alcohol or a, a methamphetamine or something. But I think once we get here, we start to see how many different pieces of you know, healing we need in different areas where we struggle. So this is one that I feel like we have wanted to do for a long time and just struggled to find the right individual. And so I'm just thrilled you're here. And I think the best place to start talking about medication assisted recovery anonymous is for you to tell us a little bit about how you got here and, and what made this program the right fit for you. Okay, yeah. So uh, I, yeah, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to be here and be having this conversation because you know, not so many years ago, we we wouldn't be able to have these conversations, mm. you know, it'd be like taboo, you know, there, there isn't the uh, these other things or oh, yeah, there's this one other thing. It's called smart recovery, go there, get out of here. That was, about, <laughs> right. that was about the extent of it. So yeah, I just appreciate the opportunity. Um, So yeah, um, you know, back in March of whatever year, maybe 2020, something like that, um, the world stopped. Um, My world stopped, it was time for me to go back to work you know, within like the next uh, month or two or whatever. And that just didn't happen. And I had to not do anything, you know, it was like stay home and uh, everything was closed. Like, you know, you had to go to the grocery store for eight o'clock, whatever. Uh, so um, I was forced to sit with myself and um, ooh, it didn't take very long, uh, maybe like a couple weeks. And I was like, yeah, like just thinking about my life and where I was at. And uh, I wasn't content with it. I wasn't happy with it. And I just I realized that uh, what I was doing for work was just like keeping me busy, occupying me. And I was just going through like day to day motions. And uh, I wasn't focused on like who I was, what I wanted, what my purpose was. Um, I wasn't focused on making myself my life or myself any better. And it just didn't feel right. So I've always been passionate about medication assisted recovery, just because uh, I got in, I got on medication um, um, like over a decade ago. And when I did, it was very new. And it was like, I don't know how else to say it other than just like people hated it. You know, there was like a lot of stigma around it. So I've always been passionate about um, talking to other people that utilize medication and letting them know that nobody has to say that it's okay if it's working for them, right? So, you know, um, what else do we do when we have nothing to do? I like get on the internet, right? And uh, I find a group of people that are meeting 
And they talk about supporting medication-assisted treatment and medication-assisted recovery. And I was like, oh, well, that seems pretty cool. So I'm going to check it out. So um, I got on to a meeting and there was people who were like talking about things that I really related to. And people were having the same issues that I've gone through. Maybe some of my work through, maybe some of them I was still going through. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it, it was just really cool to me to see people openly talking about taking medication in a room because I've really, um, I've really never seen that. And when I've done that, um, it's, it wasn't um, taken very well by a lot of people, you know, because people are just like, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. And all that stuff. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just, I made connections and that's like what I was missing in my life, right? was like human connection because I quit doing drugs a lot of years ago and then um, I pretty much just disconnected from the world and I stayed busy and uh, yeah so to be able to connect with other people then other people that I could relate to man that uh, that made me start uh, realizing my purpose and maybe my purpose was to be around people like that and, and to help people advocate for themselves and to help people understand that they can be in recovery whenever they say they are and it's not up to anybody else like we don't have recovery police um you know we we do have professionals you know that do provide services and addiction and they tell us that medication is okay so yeah just i don't know just the the connection of it is what it did and i just stayed involved in it and I have been ever since and uh it sounds so stupid but I think that it really changed my life um where I'm sitting at today um I'm fulfilling my purpose right like I'm I I moved uh, I got out of where I was from because what I was passionate about just it wasn't a good idea to talk about it there and 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 advocate it just wouldn't ever work out you know I could like talk to people but I couldn't ever um do any advocacy or make any changes without putting myself at risk I guess you would say you know that's how it can be sometimes in small towns and now I get to do that and yeah that's about all I got until you ask me questions that's that's spectacular I I gotta ask um you know, you kind of talked in more vague or, or generalized terms. Uh, where was it or, or like have you had encounters with more traditional 12-step uh, fellowships that felt like you were stuck on your own in this? Yeah, so interestingly enough, I'm from um, the birthplace of AA within huh. like an hour of that, which, you know, Akron, Ohio. So um, I've come to learn that it's a little bit different there. It's, um, I don't know, it's like going to a, to a church that's like an old world church and uh, it's still the way it was in 1840. It's like, it's very much like that. It's, it's very um, sit down, shut up. Mm. Um, like don't talk to anybody for the first year. Um, Everybody's got their Dr. Bob here. necklace on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's like, I, I've learned through being in other parts of the country, it, it is very different there. So uh, my experience is unique and it might be different, but um, it's the one that I've had. And yeah, just um, who to me, I didn't get better by people being like that to me. You know, I, I got better by, by people being compassionate to me and caring for me and it didn't kill me. It, 
helped me to continue to live. It helped me to find my will to want to live. So yeah. And, and medication, geez, you, you don't want to talk about that. I've, I've seen people, um, God, that have maybe been in a program for like a couple of years and they're doing great. And what do we do? You know, we, we stop using drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. And, and we just, we connect with people that we feel are like us and we want to be honest. Right. So eventually it comes out and they tell somebody that they're on medication and um, one of two things happens. They're, they're told they have to get off in a timeline or they're just told to go, go somewhere else. And, and when they're told to go somewhere else, um, nobody, nobody knows about anywhere else. Nobody knows where the anywhere else is or the other places. It's just uh, open the door and get out. So um, to me that doesn't help people get better you know that doesn't yeah right. so i just I've, I've never um gotten behind that i've had a problem with that since forever so it probably i uh, gave me an inability to get better through those programs because mm -hmm. of that just because um it just didn't fit my beliefs in the way that i like to live my life yeah yeah i think uh you know structurally whether it was intended or not at, at this point it does feel at least it did feel to me like the vibe was second class citizens, um, which didn't didn't feel real great either. But I, I, it's just interesting to talk to somebody who maybe has the actual experience. Right. I can sit here and and, you know, complain from a, a soapbox, but I don't have the lived experience. So I was curious. I don't want this to totally be about like the interesting beginnings of the Mara program. And yet I think from what I heard, I was fascinated by it anyway. So I, I, I do think it's an interesting piece of it. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Do you know a lot about the beginnings? I, I'm not sure which part you're talking about. If you want to go uh, a little deeper. Yeah. So uh, the information I got, I guess, was that Mara was not founded or started by someone who was actually on medication it was started by somebody who wasn't which i guess to me when i think about the the beginnings of 12 step and the idea of one person in the situation with the experience helping another that kind of is contrary to that so it was really fascinating to hear yeah so um yeah the the person uh does does has a history of substance use mm -hmm. alcohol maybe i'm talking back i shouldn't share somebody's information but yeah, they they see it one way, but um, they actually this person, this uh, hypothetical person we're talking about, um, actually did take medication for alcohol use disorder, though. Oh, okay. Which is medication assisted treatment. So, okay. But it, that's not why it started, right? It started because uh, he's seen a need for people that like needed other places, right? Like he had been around the rooms himself and then he got into the field as a counselor mm. and he's seen that um the traditional way whatever it was just didn't work for some people so he started asking them questions like well why doesn't it work you know and like okay and what what do people always say the first thing it's like the god thing right like people that get into recovery some people just can't go into a room and ignore that word right or ignore a small prayer it might be small to somebody that believes in god but to somebody that has very different beliefs like that just turns them away so he just starts taking notes like what don't people like you know what what keeps people from going there because i think if you get in the addiction field at all you'll see that a lot of people do fall out of those cracks we, we're we're overexposed to it right 
So we go to uh, meetings all the time and we're there with all the people that stay there and that it works for. And we don't necessarily see the people that it doesn't work for. Right. So we always think that number is higher of the people because like, oh, there's 80 people in this room. But for every 80, there's a lot that get lost. They don't know where to yeah. go. And maybe they needed something just a little bit different. Yeah. So there's that. And then um, just working in methadone clinics and seeing people throughout the years in the programs abstinence-based and they get to this point in their life where they're like hey my, like my family trusts me again and like they have this will to live again and they like feel free and they can move on with their lives um he's seen that happen with people in the methadone clinic too just the same mm -hmm. and it was no different the only difference in those people is one took a medication and one didn't but they were both getting better they both had people in their lives that they broke trust with that trusted them again. It mean it meant the world to them and they wanted to continue living. So, yeah. And then uh, there was actually, you know, back in like 2018, my, my dates are probably off and I'm guessing, but back in 2018, there was groups like all over the country that were having meetings kind of about medication, but he started looking around and most of them uh, were just like AA and NA groups that accepted medication. Mm. They weren't like their own thing. So they still had those things in them that um, some people veered, wanted to veer away from, right? So he right. Um, just organized what was already there and came up with different stuff um, and got rid of a lot of that stuff that doesn't work for people or people that doesn't work for some people. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> so yeah that that's about it i'm actually really glad i asked now because my initial take on it was this egomaniac <laughs> he he got yeah. recovery and thought i'm gonna solve somebody else's problems right and now yeah, he, he's he's definitely like one of us right oh, okay so right right he but just, I, he's he's just a humble dude and uh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm picturing he's it now. Really like he's <laughs> he's like almost one of the best of us. Like this guy went out of his box to try to help other people. I'm like, damn, that's actually pretty impressive, really. Whole different take, whole different flavor in my head of of this individual at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, what would you say uh, as an active member, Amara? Like, what kind of differences you were just talking about when he was creating this? He wanted to create some shifts away from things that don't work. What kind of things are different that you feel like are helpful in Mara? Okay, so so first off, the thing we just got to get it out of the way because uh, just the God thing, you know, there there is twelve steps and there is twelve twelve traditions, but um, they're not copy and pasted and changed a couple words or whatever. So right. uh, that's a huge thing, and and uh, I saw that right off rip, right? Because like um, I don't want to talk too much about my personal beliefs, but my personal beliefs, I do believe in God, religion, all that stuff. But that was a huge thing for me in traditional recovery, right? Like um, the hypocrisy of it, right? Like if I go to church, we're going to talk about God. We're, we're going to say some prayers and we're going to say that's what we're doing. But in there, I felt like I was told a lot of the times that like, that's not what we're doing. Or I was, I was heard it. I heard it said to other people like, oh, you know, just replace that word with something else or whatever. And for somebody that has absolutely no belief, uh, that's absurd, right? For me, okay. <laughs> I understand maybe a little bit more because I uh, I have a close relationship with religion and God, 
But for other people that don't, and even even on the other side of it, right? What about people that do believe and we're out and, and we're addicted to substances and we're living that life? I see this happen a lot, right? And if you're if you're religious and, and you go somewhere and you're gonna be held accountable and, and you're gonna write out lists and all these things about God, you're gonna feel shame, right? You're gonna and that that scares people away. Um, even though that's a part of their life, maybe right then it's just not the right time. So, and, and it's, it's not in there. So, um, it's, it's not that you can't be like, if anybody, anybody can come there, right? That's the whole thing. If somebody is like a full born believer in God, preacher, minister, whatever they are, or they recover through Jesus Christ, like cool, come here. But also if you don't, you can also come here. So it's not like agnostic. It's not um, secular. It's just um, not put in there anywhere. And I, I think that's huge. Yeah, it almost feels like what you're saying is that it's not, I don't want to say that it's not part of the program. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, it's not, foundational it's not to, part of right. the program. It can be an addition to your program if that's something you believe in, like you can use it in your program, but it's not a part of the program itself. I mean, it could it could be the whole base of your program if you want it to be. That's the thing about it is like it's open ended, right? So right. it it could be every everything that you hear in there and all of the steps that you read, you could um that could relate some way through your belief in God and how you're gonna recover through it. Or if you don't, it could it could not. So it's completely open. And that's what I really like about it. You mentioned the steps, and I read through these the other night, and I'm, I'm going to read at least one now. Um, they are written extremely different than what we're used to. Like you said, many 12-step programs, when they borrow them and get the permission from AA, uh, you know, it's replace the word. It's replace alcohol with narcotics. It's replace alcohol with food or eating or disordered eating or something. And, and these are very different. And I guess my problem initially reading through them was like, I liked the, what they said better, the description. And yet it was so wordy. I thought it sounded stupid at the same time. So like, I'm going to read one. Uh, step one, we admitted that without help, we felt an inability to control many of our behaviors and that our lives had become unmanageable. Like that is exactly, I think the description of what we're saying in step one. And yet, yeah. So, it's so, so what word don't you hear in there? What's the one word that's missing? That powerless, right? Powerless. And that's another thing that people struggle with. And it people get uh, in traditional recovery, I see people get so hung up on that damn word. They're like, I can't say I'm powerless. So it's like, okay, let's just take it out of there then. Is it that important, really? Like we had an inability to control many of our behaviors. Our life was unmanageable. Boom, that's it. Right. Language is important in um in the rest of the world, and it it's starting to become important in recovery in some aspects. No, absolutely. It's interesting too, because step two mentions power, but in a different way. It's a, uh, we came to believe that like all human beings, our power was limited and we needed to learn to let go and learn from others. I'm like, that is so not what the <laughs> second step says in 12. No, but it's so interesting. Oh, and I got to read three, two while we're at it and then I'll shut the fuck up. I promise. Uh, three, we made a decision to accept that we cannot control everything. Assuming a mindset of goodwill, seek the wisdom and res of responsible others and discover our true voice within. Holy shit. We made a decision to accept that we cannot control everything. Assume a mindset of goodwill. Seek the wisdom of responsible others 
and discover our true voice within. That's hella directions for a third step. Yeah, so I, I'll I'll say that I think that they just lead to empowerment straight up. That's okay. that's what I that's what I see happening when I when I hear all of the steps and it's all it's all so much, but it it feels like empowering to a person. It's not like go to this person, get your answers, go to this person, write this list. It's like I don't know. It's just it's it's more um, in in the person's control, and I'm a huge fan of like person-centered recovery and care. That's it's the most effective thing. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we, we at one point did a step a month, like we did an episode each month about the step of that month. And, and I thought it was really interesting. And now I want to go back through and do a step a month, but do Mara's steps and like dissect them and see if we, cause they're interestingly written. Like I'd really do, I want to like spend more time with them and think about them, but I don't, I know that's not exactly what this show is about. Uh, so to, to get back maybe a little more to the Mara topic, are these meetings available in person in a lot of places yet? Or did a lot yeah, of the, so, uh, I was going to also so, so, add on to that. So maybe answer that one first and then we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you go to the website, it's mara-international.org and you can check out all the in-person meetings. There is, there is some, there's a decent amount. There's much more online. Um, after COVID, a lot didn't start back up. But um, I know that happened with traditional meetings, too. I know the area I'm in, uh, for some reason, places where meetings were held, they're kind of just like, oh, no, they kind of like COVID gave them a break. And now they're just like, no. So a lot of people are having to find new places. But there is some. Um, is there enough? I don't know. I think it's growing um, as much as it needs to be. And the thing is, is that we're just letting it grow authentically, right? We're not out promoting. We don't have a bunch of like literature and handouts and we're not doing outreach in communities we're just letting it happen so i think that it's it, it has grown though well and one of the things i was curious about and, and maybe you can just talk about the process if somebody was interested in starting a meeting in their local area maybe they reach out to you but i was curious like you mentioned in the beginning there was like research done about the different groups that were kind of locally forming around the place did any of them end up you know, signing up and saying, we want to be part of this bigger thing, or we want to switch our format or. Yes, some have, but um, 
at, at this point, to be honest with you, over the last couple of years, um, we've found that um, people that really hold on to, to, to traditional values and beliefs really just can't they can only make it so far until they just want to tell people to get their shit together and uh. get off medication and recover the real way. <laughs> so to be honest with you, no, most of them have gone there. There, there is a couple. Um, there's like three meetings, like from the very beginning that are still there, but most of them people's, um, people's personal beliefs have come and gotten in the way. And, uh, it, it, it's a hard thing to manage, right? Because like, it, and it sounds so harsh, but like if you want to recover the traditional way in an abstinence-based recovery, there's six meetings every day, eight o'clock, eleven o'clock, noon, five, six. In most people's hometowns, it's okay, just go there. This thing is different, right? It's just a little bit different, and it's 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 uh, we have to protect that, right? Because. Most of the people that come here have been harmed, shamed, or felt judged. And that's for them to decide. That's not for anyone else to decide. And that's how they feel. So we have to keep that out of there. You know, we've had to put things in there about like using traditional jargon because, you know, we would have people um, come that used to be in traditional meetings and didn't leave the language behind and people would leave because they were harmed and they hear that those, those cliches and they go back to that you know mm -hmm. they go back to whatever experience they had so i have a question i guess um so when i first started learning about mara which has been limited admittedly um but when i saw the steps i i really liked that that you guys had kind of taken this new approach and i think um you know when i was speaking with someone else in the program he mentioned that it kind of had been modernized and I saw that too, right? Some of the language in the original 12 steps that, that AA uses, it, it can be a little bit antiquated, but then also the, the removal of the higher power concept or God concept. And I think for me as a person who's struggled with, you know, this, this God higher power concept, the entirety of my recovery, that piece really speaks to me, right? Because I feel like, um, in some of the more traditional 12-step programs, what you hear is it's okay to have anything as your higher power and, you know, you can have a doorknob or, you know, whatever belief works for you is what works for you. But then yet the experience as someone who doesn't believe in like this sentient, all-loving being the experience of going through the steps, the experience of reading the literature, you still feel like you're kind of being like guided, like, 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 okay, you don't believe now, but like eventually you will if you do this right. Like that's kind of the, the way that it feels. So, so from, from that perspective, this is, this is very appealing to me. Like I see the value in that. My question then becomes for someone who maybe isn't on medication, what is their experience going to be like coming into this program? Are they potentially going to have the same experience that someone on medication has when they come into NA or AA? Uh, yeah, my answer to that would be absolutely. We have uh, a lot of people that aren't on medication. They just um, are the people that um, traditional 12-step stuff just didn't work for them for whatever reasons. And you know, it's called medication assisted recovery anonymous, right? But the, the medication is in there because it has to be right. Like, 
people are so weary that are on medication. Like they hear like recovery and anonymous, like they want to go away. So it's in there, but we, we, yeah, we are open to anybody and we're open, you know, people that do utilize traditional 12 step come to our meetings too. And that's okay. It's like, it's open to everybody. Um, people that still use drugs, um, like, yeah, come in. That's fine. Like we're, we're, we're better for somebody to be, than a recovery support group that is considering quitting using drugs you know um i've seen a lot of people told like yo come back when you quit but like where do you go before you do and i think um today's day and age where um we're picking people up like that and i think it's having a huge impact from what i see every day so what are the qualifications for membership like uh, uh a desire to live a safe lifestyle Ooh. And, and, and whatever that means to you and that i'll tell you what that's like that's blown my mind and um god i've had so much growth over the past couple of years just from that like that safe lifestyle thing right because mm -hmm. i quit doing drugs a long time ago but i did a lot of unsafe things i didn't you know i was like uh, um really ingrained i had a lifestyle ingrained in me right like from the time i grew up I thought certain things were normal and I seen certain things. So, um, just stopping doing drugs, all those things didn't go away and my behaviors didn't go away. And, uh, man, when I started hearing like being safe, like I started thinking like, man, um, is what I'm doing, could I do this safer? You know, like, um, it's opened it up. You know, we always talk about when you hear in recovery, like, oh, you know, the substance use is such a small part of it, but we don't focus on any of the other stuff. And I think just that desire to live a safe lifestyle opens opens people's minds. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. I, I am interested uh, in some of the different lingo or jargon from your program. Like I would imagine you were talking about some of the, the old jargon or lingo not feeling good for people or not feeling safe for their life right um i would be curious like how do you guys conceptualize it like what do you say do you say you've been in recovery since a certain date or how do you guys go about okay that? so so for that like people can um can identify themselves however they want to that's up to them we have a lot of people that come in and um, they say, I'm Joe, I'm an addict, I'm Joe, I'm alcoholic, whatever. Or a lot of people just say, I'm a person in recovery. Um, that's fine, you know, however people want to. It's when it gets to the point where, you know, sometimes we just kindly ask people, if somebody's always saying, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about, like one day at a time, all the th things you would hear in, in a meeting that work for people and they help them. And uh, just kindly asking them and explaining to them the reason behind it. It's like, hey, uh, those are all great things. And I, I'm sure they help you tremendously, but we just have to leave them at the door. And sometimes it can be difficult, you know, like language for us is hard to change, but um, I think it's worked out pretty good and it, it's kept people around. Well, one I'm specifically curious about, uh, I'm trying to move away from the word like clean like uh, I'm trying to say I've been in recovery since this date or my recovery journey started on this date or do do you find that more people have kind of adopted that they just use the word clean and refer to what they're doing or is it a whole new word like what, how do you guys do that okay so I'll give I'll give you my personal take on it and I do this outside of meetings too when I hear people say clean um, I just, I just stop them or I pull them to the side and I just let them know like, Hey, I don't think that, that when you were using substances that you were a dirty person. So I don't think that you ever have to be clean. It's mm -hmm. up to you, however you want to do that. Um, but also, um, 
other people in the room, right? Like I was talking about people who still use drugs come to our meetings. Um, when they hear that word, even if I'm referring to myself, they might think that I think they're dirty. Right. So being mindful of it's not always about me, you know, it's about like everybody in the room. So. Okay. So do you guys have any acknowledgements or celebrations about time or achievements? Yeah. So, I, so I'll show you. <laughs> what do we call them? <laughs> I'll show you. Let me, let me dig in my pocket. I'm getting to the bottom of this. He's thing. looking right. for a new word for himself is yes. what it boils yes. down to. That's what <laughs> so, it is. I don't know how well you can see this. This is a chip, right? And Uh it says a a desire to live a safe lifestyle today. Ah. There's one. I've been living safely since uh, September 12th, 2003. (laughs) Yeah, so so there's one. If you want to get one every time you go to a meeting, that's cool. If you want to get one because you're celebrating something, that's cool. But um, there's just one, so nobody's more important or less important than anyone else. God, yeah, you're right. Uh, Caroline, I am going to love him before it's all over. Uh, she was telling me that. She's like, you're going to love this guy. I said, like, you guys are going to be best friends by the end of this episode. <laughs> I think we are. Is there colors besides blue or is it always blue? No, it's all the same. Huh. There's no differential, right? So somebody's like, oh man, I've been living safely for 24 years. It's like, okay, here's your blue chip. It says <laughs> a desire to live a life, safe lifestyle. And come, someone comes in and they're like, I've been smoking not injecting for the last 24 days like okay here's a blue chip that says a desire to live a safe lifestyle today so you guys don't celebrate time then right there's no like anniversaries or no but if if people want to like you know in meetings all the time people like it is a huge feat you know i know it was a huge feat for me at one point to not do to not inject drugs for one day so if people want to celebrate that's awesome but it's not going to be like traditionally, you know, somebody's not going to stand up in a room and come to the front. And and that's not to discredit what they've done. It's just to not make the other people feel any less or more important. One of the things I love about that, and I don't know if we really ever step back with our beginner's mind and think about this, right? But just the idea of like, even in uh, as a therapist, when I have people come in, generally people show up wanting to be the the rookie of the year client or the MVP client or like the best client you've ever had that you can't live without, right? Like I would imagine taking out the the hierarchy or the power levels uh, of, you know, the celebration or who's got more time or any of that kind of stuff could be removing that focus, right? Like if I come into recovery and I'm like, oh, well now I've got to be well known in this anonymous program. I want to be somebody, right? Like if I remove the take of there is no somebodies here, it gives me the freedom to just kind of be where I'm at and like explore myself better. So I I love that piece of it. So I have more like kind of dummy 101 level questions for you, Merck. Um, uh, One is, so do you guys have kind of the traditional sponsor sponsy relationships within the program do you do you have something that mirrors that or or is that kind of out with the bathwater as well Mm, so so here's what i tell people um they're never gonna be coming to meetings and somebody's gonna be like oh hey you need to find a responsible person and listen to everything they tell you and they're gonna be your sponsor whatever that doesn't happen um people do connect with each other and they hold each other accountable and and build relationships. But uh, I think it's a thing that we just let happen naturally and authentically and just don't force it because some, some people don't need that. Some people don't want it, you know? So like all the other things, it's just trying to keep it open to everybody. And so then what does working 
steps within the Mara Fellowship look like? Okay, so our, our book isn't published yet. Um, I've actually done them uh, with the person that wrote the book. And it just looked like uh, sitting down with somebody that I trusted and talking about them and talking about my life is much, much different than um, other traditional steps that I've done. It didn't, um, I don't, it's hard for me to talk about that because I, I feel uh, very strongly about some of the ways that traditional steps are worked and who they're worked with, right? Like, go for I don't, it. I don't, like feel like, I, I don't feel like if I meet Billy in a meeting and he's just some other dude and I'm just some other dude that I should sit down and talk to him about like sexual trauma um, and all these like deep things that open up wounds with just another person, right? Without that person or somebody in my life telling me like, hey, you should also uh, set up some professional stuff on the mm. side or maybe just take this all the way to a professional because it gets dangerous, right? Like, mm, especially, um, you know, we have these 28 day programs and um, by the end of it, you got to go through all 12 of these things and talk about a bunch of traumatic shit that happened to you there's going to be a therapist there while you're there for 28 days but then you're done and you're out and uh, a lot of people like are afraid of therapy and professional help and we tend not to trust people when we first get into recovery so yeah that's a big thing is like they can be as in-depth or um as vague as you want them to be what is your basic text or your big book or like what does it have a name uh, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't even know if it has a name. Okay. Uh, I've just seen what's inside of it. I've never seen the cover, but it's mostly just a step guide and it has some people's stories in it. Oh. But it really, yeah, mostly like the whole, the core of the book is just explaining the steps and the reasons behind them and, and stories behind them. And it's then pre-publication though, right? Like it's not widely available at this point. Not yet. Huh, that's so interesting. Which has been kind of cool, honestly. Like, uh, it gets annoying. People ask like every day, like, "Oh, where's this book?" But like, we're going on on two years since we started all the Zoom meetings and everything, and we've survived without a book. We have like multiple meetings every day. People are still showing up, and they're still getting stuff out of it. So, it'll happen when the time's right. I, I feel like with what you were just saying, um, one of the, I don't, I don't want to say problems, but one of the things that I tend to do as a, as a person is I just assume everyone else feels the way I do, thinks the way I do, had my life experiences, has all the same reactions, right? So in, in a 12-step recovery that I was in, which happened to be Narcotics Anonymous for me, what it felt like was I was given this pretty prototypical way of working through my program, right? We have a step working guide that a lot of us used and, you know, we followed that and it, I did that. And what I saw around me was mostly that, right? Like there was some small deviation. Somebody might not have used the step working guide. They use like some old dittos or something, but in general, it all looked pretty similar. And I think one of the downfalls of that for me was that it got me locked into this is what it needs to look like for everybody, right? And I, I guess my question is, I would imagine in your environment around so many different people with so much different aims or goals or, or anything like that, like even when you were talking about the, the steps, you kind of go as like, 
to the level you need to go or feel comfortable in in that situation. I would imagine you have a much easier time having an open mind to like a billion different fucking ways recovery looks. Yeah, I think I'm I'm of the mindset that however people utilize them and it's going to change and it's going to evolve, right? We'll see like when the book comes out how people do it, but we're also not going to be standing over people being like, no, you got this says this and that's the way it is. Like um, we've already changed like a, a million things in there have changed since we started like having Zoom meetings. And that's the hardest part. That's mostly why the book isn't out, because um, once we see people, how they react to it and what they say about it, it's like, oh, this could be better. So it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll like never come out at that rate. <laughs> yeah, I know. So so and also it will it'll always be um, updated too. it will always change. Like our steps have changed a few times. And I don't know, the past like six months, just getting rid of words, changing little things. And I know you guys did an episode on the AA big book and <laughs> That's like one that refuses to change. And um, I don't know if I'm just too open-minded, but we're evolving everything in the world. But when we get into a recovery room, we're like, nope, this is all the same. And the whole world's like evolving around us and changing and adapting. But I don't know, we keep recovery the same way. Even even things that don't work, right? They be, they'll be like scientifically proven. And we're just like, well, that's just the way it is. So... <laughs> Best friend. Yeah, I just I'm wish you could be. Open. <laughs> God, let's just be more open-minded about recovery. It's it's obviously not what we think it is. Most of us are wrong, and like it's okay. Like we let's just adapt this stuff a little bit. If we can help more people, why not? You know, if you look at the numbers of people dying, it's something like 150 a day. Like, come on, and it's going up every year. You know, the numbers just keep going up of people dying. Um, is it worth holding on to things so much because this is the way like is the way that important to like let people die i don't think it is right well i was just gonna say i like just being in this process of doing this podcast has opened me up to a lot of different ways you know typically i got into recovery really young i was like 25 so i you know aa was a room full of old you know old drunk guy sitting in a basement that I felt like I had nothing in common with. So I ended up in AA by, I mean, in NA by default. And then of course, in that fellowship, like it felt like that's the only way to recover. This is all there is. And then of course, through, like you said, almost the result of seeing so many people dying, you know, and, and seeing so many people just not stick around or it not work for them. Like it helped me to see like this, you know, what I do works for me and it can work for some people, but it's not going to work for everyone. And that the more we can come together and support each other in our different recovery paths, the better off, you know, we're all going to be. Because like Jason said, we have so much more in common than we have different, you know, and if we could just support each other. So like one of my kind of goals with doing this podcast and we've been talking about trying to open up a recovery community center in this area is to bring people from these different fellowships together to like hang out together and support each other and maybe have like a a cookout where everybody's watching football and we don't have to you know argue about you know whether you're on medication or I'm not or you're an alcoholic and an addict or you're this or that. Like, let's just forget that and let's try to just support each other, raise each other up, you know, be better human beings. And maybe more people will find life <laughs> less suffering, you know. Yeah, I, I love that. And um, man, I wish I wish more people could be like that. And I think 
you, you have a great point, right? Like I said in the beginning, like we're just overly exposed to what's around us. And it, it's hard for a lot of people to take their self and their own personal experience out of it, right? Like, God, I see it all the time. Like, just people like, oh, this guy's like, like the other day I heard this guy telling somebody like he had to be in a sober living for two years and telling this guy, you need to be in a sober living for two years. And it's like, maybe he doesn't like, how, how do you know where he's going to be in a month or what's going on with him? Like, that's awesome that it worked for you. And I'm glad that it did. And also too, um, I mentioned this to Caroline when a lot of times when we have these conversations, people take it personally, right? If I say I recover a different way, they feel attacked. Like I have these conversations all the time where people are like, oh my God. And I'm like, dude, this is just how I'm doing this. Like I'm staying alive and I'm doing well. I'm not telling you to do it. I don't think you should take medication. I don't think you should port, support harm reduction. If you don't, you don't. And that's your beliefs. But yeah, like people just hold on very close to what's helped them. It It is interesting. And I, I've actually started because I see a lot of this online and like group discussions where there's kind of the more traditional 12 step view that's espoused by a few people. And there's a few people who have different views and are arguing against it. But it really does feel like sometimes um, trying to be like more objective about it, that the 12 step view of recovery is kind of a lot of fear base in there, right? Like it's, there's the love base of like wanting to live better and connect with other people and give back. And that's beautiful. And then there's also this fear base of like, oh my God, if you ever get near a drug, it might accidentally jump in your ear or something. Like it's so weird, right? And I, I wonder like, I, I like the idea because that's what I see is this, like, very insecure, like, fear reaction towards uh, when people talk about doing it different ways. Yeah, and uh, it, it's so hard, right? Because, like, people need that. Maybe some people need that. Maybe they right. need an older person to come to them, be like, you need to get your shit together. This is what you're going to do. This is when you're going to do it. But everybody doesn't need that. And it's hard. It's just hard for people to understand that, you know, but uh, uh, like I said, the rest of the world's evolving. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. stigma right uh when billy was talking that's what i'm i'm thinking about right like all of us in recovery talk all this shit about stigma right? am i allowed to cuss I oh yeah. please uh, okay <laughs> well don't give me permission because it'll get out of control but <laughs> that's uh, fine okay. yeah well let's talk about stigma right um we all pretend all of us in recovery pretend like we're out here fighting stigma and stuff right but like most of the outside world is glad that we're getting better they're glad we're not stealing their stuff anymore. They're glad we're not smoking stuff and injecting stuff. Outside of that, they don't really care that much. 
But in the recovery community itself, you want to talk about stigma? I've yeah. never seen more stigma on a daily basis than I see come from within the recovery community. And to me, that's that. Oh, it's terrible. I hate that that's where it comes from. Um, it's the self stigma. Oh. It's well, the stigma we hold yeah. ourselves to. So, and I can say yeah. too, like I, I will defend, you know, I'm a abstinence base and I'll defend that if people want to bash it or whatever. But at the same time, like, I recognize like that's not necessarily right for everyone. And then what worked for me isn't, you know, one size fits all. Like people have to find their own paths and, and do their own thing. But like you had said, like I've actually and myself included early in my recovery, like I probably thought I probably had more compassion for an active addict using on the street than I did for a person that went into a maintenance program. You know, it was like it, it there was a time in my recovery where I was like, oh, that's some easy way you know there was just all this uh like stigma built into what i thought about that type of recovery and it's just taken some like education to be like well that's dumb you know <laughs> like these are just people trying to find a way that works for them to make their lives better and if their lives are improving and they're getting better and they're able to like have a life where they're happy and not hurting themselves and other people who the fuck am i to make a judgment about that you know as long as they're not asking me to give up what I got, they should be able to do whatever they want. I want to uh, just keep an eye on time here. There's some questions I really love to ask from each program, so I don't want to miss them. So if you don't mind, I want to make sure we hit on some of them. Uh, in the 12-step model, as I've been exposed to it, generally addiction is conceptualized as a disease. You know, Narcotics Anonymous specifically kind of deviates and says, hey, we're a little different. We don't want to talk about where addiction comes from. We just want to talk about what you can do about it. But it's still from this disease concept idea. Does Mara have a specific take on addiction being a disease or not? Or does it conceptualize it completely different? Or does it say, you know what? We don't even give a fuck what it is. We're just here to feel safer in our lives. I'll go with the third choice of okay. we don't give a fuck. Love it. Love it. It's like I, I'm, I'm an evidence-based and a science-based person, and that's just a toss-up, right? It's right. like one study says today that it's this way. One study tomorrow says it's the other way. Who knows? We got here. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So we don't need to know completely how we look at it in order for it to be healed according to this program, which I, I'm not, that's not a judgment. That's just, you know, an observation. Um, do you guys ever sign court slips? I know that's a little trickier in the virtual meetings. Yeah. So uh, I'll, we'll send people emails for verification. There was, um, there was some controversy about it in the beginning, but yeah, we do that. It's, and they're accepted. And actually that's opened up a lot of doors right like i've had probation officers call us and yeah. be like hey how do we get people into these mm -hmm. meetings like i know people that are on medication we require meetings they don't want to go to any maybe this would be a better fit for them how do we get it and also uh met like clinics that prescribe medication assisted treatment in some states you have to attend like two meetings a week or whatever and uh, they're the people that the doctors are like, well, I can't send them somewhere that tells them they can't be there and can't take the medication that I'm giving them. What right. do I do? So yeah, it, it, it creates more connection. No, that's, that's awesome. We actually had a, a listener reach out recently. Um, we're going to go into this in another episode a little bit, but them and their husband got court ordered to a recovery housing. And then the recovering housing actually kicked out the husband because they didn't allow couples to be in the place. And it was like, well, they were fucking court ordered. So just all the 
I, I've talked to people about how the court ordering of recovery is uh, kind of a shady. It's actually like insurance fraud in some cases. But anyway, um, that's that's great that you guys are are at least accepted. Like that's a good thing. I was I was hoping it wasn't the other way where you're like, no, they won't take us because that'd be pretty fucked up. <laughs> um, I I did want to ask. In at least the the Narcotics Anonymous version, and and I think this holds true in a couple other ones that I've been into or more involved with, we kind of look at like spiritual principles as the ideal of how to combat these these self-centered behavior of an addict, I guess is the way NA sort of says it. So what do you guys like look at as the solution to the way you live unsafely or how do you look at like ways, like what do you put in place of living unsafely that you feel like is helping treat the underlying problems? Uh, Sorry. That's a big one. That's that's a big one. I guess it would be um, the hopes that somebody could find that through the steps, the traditions and the connections that they make in, in meetings that they can find a place where they don't have to live as unsafely anymore. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And it, it, that's such a broad thing, right? Like being safer can mean a whole lot of different things for some people. For me, it means not driving 80 miles per hour, cutting people off, stealing shit. Um, but for some people it's like, uh, smoke, not inject today or smoke a little bit less or do a little bit less. And no, no, I I could see where that's a hard question to answer, but I like what you said. Right. And I love that you threw, connection in there with the steps and traditions because uh the further i'm getting into you know my my therapy work the more i feel like connection is one of the biggest pieces of healing that probably anybody whether you're struggling with disordered substance use or or just you know the guy who is struggling feeling not so great about the job he's in on a regular basis like we need this connection to be part of our healing anybody else have some questions no i just uh i mean i'm curious just a new uh Mara meeting opened up. I would say in our area, it's actually in the next county over, Harford County, um, and it's a pretty new meeting. So have you seen, like, I don't know, good, I don't know what, how you measure good growth, but what's, like, kind of the growth rate been like, or how can people reach out to, to start a meeting or, or get a meeting going in their area? Okay, so the growth, I'd say the growth's been pretty good. Like I said, we don't, we haven't done any kind of outreach or anything, and, and the growth has been pretty good. You know, we used to have like one, maybe three Zoom meetings a week, and now we have multiple ones every day of the week. Um, in person is is picking back up. Um, I think it'll it'll get better here soon. Um, when people do want to start meetings, the first thing that we tell them to do is like come to a few meetings first because we've had people start meetings and they think it's like NA that accepts medication and it's not. Mm -hmm. So it can be confusing. So we really want to make sure people get the concept of what's going on here. Like, Hey, we created this thing to be an alternative to other things and it's not them. So yeah, the, the best thing people can do is start coming to some meetings and like, listen to what's going on and see what's going on and make sure, first of all, it's something you can tolerate, right? (laughs) Cause If not, um, it could be uncomfortable. And then, um, yeah, you can go to the website and you can click on starting a meeting. There's just a a simple meeting format guide and the traditions, the steps and the openings and closings around there. Cool. And then have you found uh, or or do you know if like meetings are starting or beginning to be offered in like treatment centers or places like that? Like, is that 
a thing that's in the works yes. or happening? So, so we have a few, yeah, that are, are in treatment centers in the past. Uh, there was a lot, especially through COVID there was a lot, um, a lot of recovery community centers. Um, I run one out of my recovery community center. Actually that meeting is how I got where I'm at today. Like I met people on there that were running it, um, two years ago. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, took up interest in like the language that they were using, how they were talking to people. And I ended up like coming here and making connections and we still run that meeting today. And yeah, we have a lot of like, uh, sober living houses, um, halfway houses that come to and run meetings. So I was thinking there's another question on my, my questions list for people. And this might go back a little bit and help explain some, uh, you know, what it is that gets replaced or, or shifted in recovery mode in Mara. So the, the question is like, what's the new passion, right? We have to all this time and energy and resources we put into using all day, every day, or, or trying to keep our, our self feeling in a place of relief all the time. That's all got to be replaced with a new focus in, in recovery. I would at least my take is we got to fill that with something, right? And I think maybe to answer this for you a little bit, like part of what you were describing in this new world of your mind being open to like live safely, right? Like this whole new concept of like, what is my actual intention and goal in life? Like, I feel like that shifts your focus and gives you a, a shit ton of time to fill your time up with like, what does living safely mean to me? What does it mean in different areas of my life? Like, you're just coming at it from a different frame of reference in your brain, which is going to make you see all these situations anew. And I, I think that's kind of one of the neat things of the idea of living safely almost in itself sort of is part of the recovery process as you go. Yeah. And so add, add healthy to that, right. Add healthy mm. lifestyle to that. And I think, uh, somebody's going to stay busy for the next, like, I don't know, a couple of decades lifetime and yeah. things are coming and that's what it's supposed to be. Right. We hear it all the time. Like it's mind, it's body, spirit and all these things, but like we neglect the shit out of our bodies and our minds right? And we just spirits. show up and make connections. And, um, yeah. So yeah, for me personally, like that's, that's, been huge like i'm i'm living healthier i'm living safer i'm doing things that i wouldn't have considered doing if i would have just uh kept a focus on like my substance use because honestly that's like a very small part of what got me here at this point it was right. um yeah it was some other traumatic shit that got me here that i was just self-medicating and through doing that i developed a chaotic relationship with substances and they just happen to be illegal and there's stigma around them. <laughs> and I think to be honest with you, I think that if I grew, if I came up the way I did in a different world and did the things I did and the things weren't viewed the way that they were, I think that um, it would be much different. And I try to be open minded and think about that when people are still going through it. Right. Like uh especially like stigma and, and bias and things like that like we all have a bias and internal bias we're all from somewhere we all know certain things like that's internalized for us but we can recognize it so when i see people today that are that are struggling with using substance i always think like oh man if this person lived in whatever country they'd just be like everybody else uh mm -hmm. they would go somewhere and get dosed they would go to their job and they'd go about their day 
why should I look at them any differently because they happen to live in the exact place that they do and it's stigmatized. Right. No, I actually, so I was thinking about this idea of like this new concept of living safely and, and healthily, right? Healthily. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and it, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the more traditional 12 step, fourth step, right? This is the idea where we're supposed to kind of go into it, not, criticizing or looking for flaws or perfection in us it's more just like let's just put the story on paper and see what it looks like and where we're not getting our intended goals because we're like thwarting ourselves from getting there but i actually like almost the concept of your guys version better and maybe that's something if you're working a more traditional four step you can take in and have in your mind like this idea of i'm trying to live healthier and safer i feel like that's a less judgmental standpoint cuz even when i went into four step like i'm like oh i'm not going to be judgmental and then i judged the fuck out of myself for all the shit i did but i was judging myself based on somebody else's categories right society's morals always because i didn't have this exposure of like what do i just want to do to live safer safer and healthier like if I can take everybody else's bullshit out, I feel like it's so much simpler to just start from there and go. Yeah. And I, I think it's hard to take everyone's bullshit out of there, but man, when we do, that's when we get the real growth, right? That's why I think that this program is really just set up to empower people, right? Like mm. the, the whole point in those steps is we find our true voice within. We're not finding it anywhere else. We're not finding it from um, this person that's mentoring me or sponsoring me or a higher power or whatever else it is. It's me, right? It's like my true voice. I can walk around. I can um, judge things and make decisions and be comfortable with it. Yeah. And uh, our fourth step, if you look, it's like strengths, weaknesses, and misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And man, that one was so good for me. It was so much more empowering than uh, the more other ways I've done it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I'll add to also, um, I'm a person that suffers from, from violent trauma in my past and, and, and a bunch of other trauma. So uh, that was extra hard for me. And I'm not saying I'm sure it's great for some people. But for me, it was awesome that I didn't have to get into all of that shit. I just went straight to the weaknesses or misconceptions that I've developed from those things happening. And then where does that go to? That goes to my behaviors today, right? Like, how can I change how I react Mm. to those things? And I love uh, CBT, you know, and it takes me to that. And that still gets me through the day today. So. So some of the the lesser known uh, maybe side rules of 12-step fellowships I always find fascinating too. And Caroline already mentioned one, like sponsorship is not actually in Narcotics Anonymous literature. It's just kind of this informal thing. That's not completely true. There is a pamphlet about it, but it's not in the main main book or anything like that. So like we have rules about like, uh, and they're not technically rules, but like don't get into relationships in your first year or, you know, hey, we don't cross talk in these meetings generally. Like, do you find that any of those, does Mara have its own subset of like, they're not really rules. They're almost just like expectations of the, the society or the community who's a part of the program. Do you guys have any of that? Do you not cross talk? Do you care about it? No, anything? we, we cross talk. <laughs> Um, we, the only thing we're not going to do is like, I'm not going to like let people interrupt people or whatever. Um, obviously ask people if they're like, 
I'm accepting of feedback, but um, yeah, that other stuff, man, when I hear people say shit like that, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to get into a relationship. I'm just like, where, where did that come from? Like, who told you that? Like, what's the original story? <laughs> That's source? where it came from was treatment. <laughs> yeah. And like that, that probably is true for a lot of people, but I think you're missing the whole concept of like, uh, more importantly, we should be saying like, are you a whole person right now? Do you love yourself? Are you mm. capable of loving and taking care of yourself to the point where you could add another human being into that mix? And, and the answer is either going to be yes or no. And, and the answer is not going to be, uh, it's not going to have a time in it. I don't think, I think if we like studied that, we wouldn't come up with a time frame. I think, uh, I know people that like married people in rehab and they've been together for 25 years and everyone told them they shouldn't do it. So I think when we make, some of those bold statements that like some dude at an AA meeting uh, 38 years ago just said to somebody and it got picked up like we have to be realistic right and like a lot of the shit that we hear in these like little side rules somebody just said it to somebody and it probably benefited them so they just kept saying it to people and it's been passed mm. along like the game of telephone and I guess my answer to that is like, just don't take that stuff too serious. <laughs> well, we just have an don't. out for that. It's called take what you need and leave the rest. <laughs> right. <Dang. laughs> and that, that's also, uh, so another thing too is like, I love it when people come to meetings, ask questions, right? Because I know a lot of people, if you go to a traditional meeting, you ask a question, uh, you're going to hear shit like that. Like he just said, like, <laughs> take what you want and leave the rest. And it's like, yeah, but I'm asking a question. Like I'm asking specifically like, I'm reading this and, and we shared on this, but like, how, how do I, how does this pertain to my life every day? Like, how do right. I do this? And people will just like, don't want to answer things. So I think uh, that's why I like doing things like this. We can just like answer questions. And if right. I don't have an answer, I'm just going to be like, I don't know. Right. We have no idea. <laughs> like, we don't know how that works and it's okay. Are you married, Merck? No. Do you want to be? I, Are um, you proposing? I really have <laughs> fell in love with Merck during this episode. He has just said some beautiful pieces of, of words that I am like, this is wonderful. Uh, so I don't know. I'm 36. Um, I do. I do have three sons, um, but I've never been married. And I think it's worked out pretty well. Oh, okay. All so right. far. Fair so enough. Far. Fair enough. So I, I will say, uh, as we're getting towards the end here, I do feel like, and, and maybe I understand why, but I do feel like you guys missed a golden opportunity with your name. Because it just seemed to fit so well with medication-assisted treatment anonymous, right? Because you guys get treated so bad in the traditional meetings that it would be matter because you guys matter, right? Like, you know what I mean? I just thought it was beautiful. That's good. <laughs> but That's then I good. saw how people might say, oh, treatment, it's not actually a recovery program. It's a treatment program. And that could be. So, yeah, if you shady. if you look through like SAMHSA and everywhere, a lot of the language is changing. And yeah. it was it's going more medication assisted recovery than it is medication assisted good. treatment. So I don't know, maybe we'll benefit from that. Yeah. Way. Yeah. No, it's a good thing. Does anybody have any final thoughts or anything you wanted to know that we didn't get to or. Oh, I did think of one other thing. So is there an emphasis on like, I know in a lot of the other 12 step fellowships, there's this big emphasis on like service to others and this like newcomer idea. Do they put any emphasis on anything like that? Uh, yeah, so so the newcomer thing that goes back to, um, you know, not having any kind of a hierarchy, right? Um, people are definitely gonna be supportive when people come in and they've never seen them before. That's gonna happen. But um, 
we're not yeah that's we try not to like use that term or label people we just mm-hmm. would like to welcome them and what was the second part i forget i guess oh the is there part. like an emphasis on like service to others like having a service structure and and being involved in that sort of thing for for individual members or is it just each person if they're interested does it so i think that that gets incorporated into the steps if you get into the steps it is but um no i have my own thoughts on like service work right like i think it's great but i've also um seen it harm people right like just i don't know just oh yeah do this in the name of service or like earn 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 your keep here by doing all this service and then you can do this or be this so it kind of just um contributes to that hierarchy thing i think everybody should and they should do their own form um, and I think they should just not share it with anybody. I think we should all do great things and just uh, have enough humility to shut up and do it for the reason that we're doing it, right? Like, if I'm going to go out today and I'm going to go get 100 bucks out of the ATM and like fives and give it to homeless people, I should just do it and I shouldn't record it and tell everybody or like come to the meeting and share like, yeah, so I passed out all these five yesterday and all these bums on Pat and Ab, you know, like. Yeah, so that's my personal take on service work. I, I got to say, and this has never really occurred to me before, but what it feels like you guys say, because there was another thing that we had asked about that he said they don't feel like they need to tell people to do that. It just kind of happens. Like the sponsorship, that's what it was, right? It makes me feel like the program standpoint, whether this was intentional or not, is that if we can just help people feel better, like the rest of this comes naturally, right? Like these are the people we were kind of meant to be or the humans we were born to be. And if we can just get the pain and the healing and stuff taken care of, all the other shit's fine. And what it made me think of when you asked about the 12 step or or the steps and service and stuff, I was like, are we the same like like the Christians who feel like they have to enforce the idea of being a good person through hell? Like if you're not scared of going to hell, you'll never be a good person. Is that is that what we're doing in our recovery too? You better be of service because that's how it's done. Like we can't just trust that people will be that way, that they'll just be good people naturally. Well, I don't know if that's the intention, but that sometimes is the result. It was interesting. You know what I mean? like, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that we intended yeah. that either, but I mean we are based on Christian Well, things, there's an so. intention, I think, that like yeah. I do service work for others and it makes me feel good about who I am and it builds up my self-esteem and self-worth and all that stuff. But it gets implemented in a way that's like someone comes in and they're new service. and you tell them to get involved in service and they may not have had enough growth to be really good at it or they may be taking on positions that they're not really ready to take on right. because a sponsor or somebody else told them they had to. You know? Yeah, I, I love that you said that and I, I feel the exact same way. I think um, the more people can just focus on themselves and getting well, the better and like don't worry about other people until you that naturally authentically comes to you and that that's another thing right so uh god i could talk about this all day but you're you're talking about the service work and how it's emphasized in there we got to think you know what what was it 1935 when the the programs that that comes from was developed and and maybe back then it did need to be said to people you know like it was a very different society and a different time. And uh, I could see it fitting back then, you know, like people wore suits and like open doors for people. So like, yeah, that probably fit back then. And Mm. I think that if ever, um, 
that place program whatever updated their book that could be something that would be very different <laughs> along with all the other stigmatizing <laughs> burn burn we're saying fuck the big book that's what i said uh that's not what merck said oh and devin but mara definitely did not say that uh also interesting that Mara is like one of the characters from the story of Buddha, but that, that's a whole other thing and spelled differently. Anyway, uh, Merck, it has been a real pleasure to have you on here today. Uh, please give us again the, the website address that will be like the most crucial place for most of these online listeners to find out how to get their way to a meeting if they're interested in this. Okay, so it's mara-international.org. Hmm. And that's okay. where you can find all the information. You can click on online meetings and the list of all the Zoom links and times will come up. Um, it'll show all the in-person meetings too. Tradition steps, meeting format guide. If someone is interested in starting a meeting, there's an email address on there. And also, uh, I would like to say um, we do a thing called a marathon on Christmas. Uh, so it starts at seven o'clock on Christmas Eve and then it runs for 24 hours. We've been doing that for like three years and that will be on the website. You know, it's, oh man, uh, the first year we did it and last year, like people struggle around the holidays. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, the, the first one I opened it a, a couple years ago at seven o'clock and, and somebody came in there and man, they were in the, uh, man, they were down, you know, uh, they were in the depths of, of substance use and at the end of their life. And man, they just came in there and talked for 20 minutes and it got that person through the night. And um, I think that's huge to um, huh, allowing people that are still struggling into a space and just treating them like a human being goes so far. Um, and that that's that's our intention, right? Is like anybody that feels they have the desire to be there should be there. So, um, yeah, that, that, that 24 hour marathon is uh, great. And that's, that'll be on the website too. And there's a Facebook group. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so check out the Facebook group. Uh, if you are not driving or operating heavy machinery or like weapons right now, you can just scroll down your little podcast page and uh, the links will be right there underneath. So you don't even have to remember them. You can just tap on the links and we will put the links to, uh, Mara international and also the Facebook group that way they can find it. Uh, Merck again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I think it takes uh, bravery and courage and being okay with yourself to, you know, you know, this is why you're in a different program because it, it's scary to be real about your experience sometimes in our world. Uh, so I appreciate you doing that and, and for coming on. And this has just been awesome, man. Yes. Thank yeah, you very I, much. I, I appreciate you all having me. And I know like it, it's, it's a hard conversation to have, but, um, when we have productive conversations around this, I just, I think it's so impactful and it's so important. Like you said in the beginning, like we're all trying to do the same thing, right? We're just trying to live better and, and find our way. So I, I appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everybody go out there, check out Mara, give it to you or your friends, whoever needs that place of compassion, of unconditional positive regard, uh, maybe even unconditional love. Um, check it out. All right. Have a good week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.